0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning, Generations Church. I'm so glad that we're able to be together in this format once again. Uh, I I want you to know, and I've said this a number of times, I will continue to say it, but I miss you. I miss seeing your face. I miss being able to hug you and high-five you. And I can't wait until the day comes when we can be back together in person. But I'm thankful for what God's doing in this season. Uh, God is really allowing us to help serve people and continue to do ministry. Uh, This last week we were able to uh, join with other organizations, other people in our community to help provide food for Must Ministries as they serve thousands of families in our community And so I'm thankful that you have responded to that. I'm thankful for families that are uh, joining together to follow along with our children's curriculum, the resources that we're making available, just to continue to grow in God's word and in faith in this season. And so just know we're praying for you. We love you. We are available to you. Should you need anything at any time, uh, we're here to serve you and those that you're connected to. Today I'm I'm really excited because uh, I get the opportunity just to share a little bit out of my heart in, in the current season that we all find ourselves in. Now, depending on where you're at in life, maybe the season that you're in is a little different than the season that I'm in. I think most of us, by and large, are sheltering in place. We're, we're honoring the, the guidelines and the mandates that have been handed down by our government officials and health officials. And so we're trying to honor that to the best of our ability. But what that's also done as we shelter in place and as we are quarantined in our homes is that for our family, we are also involved in uh, school. And so we have four kids Uh, We have one in high school, one in middle school, two in elementary school. And uh, each day, we're so thankful that the teachers and the school system that we're a part of, they have... Uh, just done an incredible job continuing education even as our kids are home uh, they've had strategic foresight over the last few years to create digital learning options so that even though we're out of school in person uh, they're able to be connected and so each day the teachers are providing work for the kids to do and to submit to them through an online portal and uh, about once a week or so they're gathering together online and they're talking to one another and seeing one another and helping the teachers are helping to instruct them and to review for tests and the content that they're learning and it's awesome my kids love of it they're loving the opportunity to continue to learn and to see their friends in a different format. Uh, but for us in our house, it's created a little bit of chaos uh, because there's only so many devices, there's only so many computers that we have. And so, uh, even though our younger kids are able to complete the work in a pretty good pace, our older kids are working for several hours a day, and when they're using the computers, I can't use the computer or Corey can't use the computer to do work. And so, you know, we're trying to create schedules and juggle those things. And and it's a little bit chaotic. I was talking this last week with our staff on a Zoom call about what are the highs and lows during this quarantine season? What are the good things? What are the bad things? And uh, to to a person, they all said that really the high for them is just being together with family, being all together there in their home with their family. When I asked the low, a few of them said being all together there with our family. This is a little different than when we were able to kind of do whatever normal life looked like over two or three weeks ago where, you know, we would get up and the kids would go off to school and we would go off to work and then we'd come back together at night and we'd do dinner or we'd go and do our sports things and our church activities and whatever it is that the schedule called for. But now you're just together 24 hours a day. You're, you're learning, you're eating, you're working, you're playing, you're talking all the time. I said this last week to my wife. I said, man, Kinley has a lot of words every day. She's our daughter. And uh, and I'm thankful for the time that we have together. But I got to be honest, it's a little bit chaotic in our house throughout some of these days. Now, when I zoom out, I recognize that the chaos I'm talking about compares very little to the chaos that exists in our world right now. When I think about those who are uh, developing symptoms for some of these sicknesses that are going around and trying to determine, do they have the flu? Do they have seasonal allergies when the pollen count is so high? Or do they actually have this virus that's uh, made such an imprint? In our world right now, when I think about uh, those who have money invested in the stock market, and I think about the fact that the stock market dropped about 30% of its value over two weeks, and then it rebounded about 20% of its value over a couple of days, I recognize that there's chaos there. When I think about all of the health workers who are trying to find the supplies that they need and the hospital beds that they need, just to be able to serve those who are sick in this present circumstance, I recognize that there is chaos. That exists there. I think about the fact that about three million people filed for unemployment in one week uh, last week. There's chaos there. When I think about the CEOs and the owners and the managers, the leaders of industry who are trying to please and and care for and provide for their customers, their employees, their board, their stockholders, the bottom line, it's chaotic. And so, what I want to talk to you today for a few minutes is this idea. chaos, I recognize that this is not the only time that chaos has existed in our world. I mean, even as we look to other pandemics, even as we look to other health issues, we recognize that in the early 1900s, there uh, there was some chaos that was reflected in a health issue there. We recognize that the recession uh, of 2008, 9, 10, we recognize that the Great Depression, and other times in our history, there has been chaos. I ran across this this past week, and I thought this was so great. This recognizes some things that took place even in the years of 2008, 2009, 2010, during the recession uh, that we experienced here in the United States and in other places around the world. And I was looking at this list of companies that were founded during that recession. I want you to look at this list with me. Some of these companies include... Uber. Uh, Some of these companies include Airbnb. When I think about these companies, I see Slack and Pinterest and WhatsApp and Square and Venmo. These are companies that we use on a regular basis today. And so when I think about these companies, I recognize that during that season of chaos, there were some individuals who were able to leverage that season of chaos to actually come out of it a little stronger than maybe they walked into it. These These are organizations, these are apps, these are companies that we use on a regular basis now, but they were birthed in a previous season of chaos, and it causes me to ask the question, what are we birthing in this season of chaos? What is God doing in this season of chaos that may help us when we come out of this to be stronger than we were when we walked in? I think about the global church, the big C church, and I recognize that so much of our models of ministry have shifted even just over the last few weeks, and I I recognize that perhaps God is helping to reset his church for the days that are ahead. And I'm thankful for that. And I want us as a church to be open to be sensitive, to be wise, to be discerning about what God may be saying to us as a church so that we can come out of these days of chaos stronger than we walked in. And I think about you and your family. I think about the way that you may have walked into this season of chaos and what God may do in and through you to allow you to walk out of this season of chaos stronger than you walked in. And so today I want us to look at A couple of passages of Scripture, because we don't just have to look to world or American history to see some patterns that we can emulate. I think it's great for us to go to God's Word and see that this is not the first time that things like this have happened. There's two passages of Scripture, but really the first that I want us to look at is found in the first few verses of the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. This is what it says in verse 1 of chapter 1 in the NIV translation. Genesis. This is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, perhaps you recognize that this precedes the creation story. This sets up the creation story. God begins his creative work in the very next verse. But what we see here, beginning in verse 1 and in verse 2, is that there was chaos. That as he created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void. It was dark. It was empty, and yet the spirit of God was hovering there. I want you to look at the same passage, these same two, first two verses here in the message paraphrase. This is what it says: First, this God created the heavens and the earth. All of you see, all of you, all that you don't see. God, or, I'm sorry, Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird over that watery abyss. I love the poetic language that exists there in the message paraphrase. And then I found this translation of scripture. This is the TLV. This would be the tree of life version. It's not one that I read on a regular basis, but as I read through some of the parallel versions of scripture uh, resources that I have available to me, I ran across this one and I thought it was, it was so great to describe what we're talking about. Again, Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 say this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos and waste Darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the Ruach Elohim, Spirit of God, was hovering upon the surface of the water. The earth was chaos. It was emptiness. It was darkness. And I think that we can relate to some of those adjectives. Coronavirus or not, perhaps you've experienced emptiness. Perhaps you've experienced days of darkness in your life. You've walked through Chaos. And I've used that word now a number of times. So let's look at a definition of the word chaos just to make sure we're all on the same page. When I look at the, the definition here, I see that chaos is a complete disorder and confusion. I think that's a great definition. And I think it's a great definition of what we're walking through in these present days. It's deep disorder, deep confusion confusion. As we think about all the things that are happening around us, it could be that one of the great things that we're fighting against is all of the confusion that's created by misinformation. Everyone has an opinion. You have the medical professionals. You have the government authorities. You have your friend and your neighbor who heard from a friend of a friend that this was what was next. And so there's so much confusion and so much disorder. It's chaos. There's also a passage in the New Testament. We just read from the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. There's also a passage in the New Testament that I want us to look to that I think also help us to understand a little bit about chaos in light of who God is and in this passage, really in light of who Jesus Christ was on the earth and who he is to us today. This passage is found, to us, uh, found for us in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. It says this, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? I think about that last question that the disciples asked Jesus there on the boat that day. Jesus, do you not care what we're walking through? Jesus, do you not care what's going on in our lives? Jesus, are you not aware of what's happening all over the earth right now? Perhaps you've prayed a prayer like that. Perhaps you've asked that question of God. God, are you not near us? Are you not going to intervene? Are you not going to do something in these days that we find ourselves in? If you've asked that question, you're in good company. These were the disciples that walked with physical Jesus, physical God in bodily form, And they said, hey, are you not going to do anything about what's happening? There's a storm raging around us. Water is filling our boat. These were fishermen that would not have been easily intimidated by storms. There was something different about the storm that they were in on that day that caught their attention, and it created great fear. It created disorder. It created chaos in their souls. And they said to him, do you not care what we're going through? Do you not care what's happening in our lives? Now, I see these two passages as somewhat parallel. Maybe it's the homeschool parent teacher in me of the last few weeks, but I see some comparison and contrasts in these two passages. I see some things that we can really pull from in these two passages to help us learn about chaos and perhaps to learn a little bit more about who God is in the midst of chaos. In the passage in Genesis, there was chaos. The Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, hovering over the waters, even in the midst of that chaos. And then God speaks to that chaos in verse 3 when he says, let there be light. Let there be light. It was dark, it was empty, it was void of all form and function. And he speaks into that to say, let there be light. In the Mark passage, Jesus is present on the boat with them. He's there even though he's sleeping and the disciples in the midst of that chaos, they come to him and they say, don't you care what's going on? And Jesus stands up at the front of that boat, and he speaks directly to the chaos, and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. In both of these passages, God and Jesus as the physical embodiment, the Son of God, speaks to the chaos to change the circumstance. Where darkness existed in Genesis 1, he speaks, let there be light, and it was so. Where a storm existed in the chaos of the disciples on that boat, Jesus steps up and speaks, peace, be still. And when he does... It becomes calm. The winds die down and the waters calm from the tremors that existed there on the surface. And I love that as Jesus is speaking, Peace be still, he's speaking directly to both elements of chaos. He's speaking to the winds and to the waves. He's speaking specifically to what's causing the chaos around them. He addressed what needs to be addressed. It reminds me of the passage in the gospel accounts. Where Lazarus, this friend of Jesus who had passed away, he was in the grave. He had already been buried. And Jesus steps up to that grave and he calls him by name. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now scholars have debated for hundreds and hundreds of years about the need for Jesus to call Lazarus by name. Because if he had not called Lazarus by name and he had just said, dead man, come up. Or he had just said, come out of that grave, perhaps, All of the embalmed, all of the dead would have come out of that grave because of the power of Jesus Christ to raise dead things back to life. And so he speaks specifically to the need. He speaks to the need to say, Lazarus, the one who is dead, the one who I'm performing this miracle, Lazarus, come forth. God is not intimidated by our chaos God speaks directly to the chaos of our lives. He speaks peace to the winds and stillness to the waters and he speaks light to the darkness. And I don't know what chaos you may be walking through right now, Maybe it's all related to quarantine and maybe it's all related to corona. Maybe it's fear and anxiety and worry about your job or your finances. Maybe there's issues in your marriage. Maybe there's issues in your family. And this time together has just created uh, more fear and more anxiety and more arguing and more fighting. Can I say to you that God cares about the specifics of your chaos and he speaks specifically to those fears. He speaks specifically to that chaos. You don't have to pray general prayers because I believe that God answers specific prayers. I believe when you're praying and asking God for healing, you need to call that sickness by name. I believe that when you're praying and asking God for provision in your finances, you need to name the amount of your lack. I believe when we speak specifically, when we pray specifically, God answers specifically in our lives. He is not intimidated By our chaos, he speaks directly to it. So let's look at each of these instances where God speaks to the chaos and look how the chaos responds. In Genesis chapter one, verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In Mark chapter four, verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You are not alone in your chaos, Just as the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, was there in Genesis, the Son of God was on that lake with them in Mark chapter 4. God is with you in your coronavirus quarantine. God is with you when you go to work. God is with you when you go to school. God is with you in your home and in your streets and in your car. God is with you. And here's what I believe. Just as he was hovering in Genesis... He was hovering over the darkness. And just as he was sleeping in Mark, he was present in each of those circumstances of chaos. But when we are seeking the activity of God to prove the ability of God, sometimes we miss what's happening there. And I would say to you today, don't trick yourself or allow the enemy to convince you that his lack of activity on your behalf right now is a lack of ability. His lack of activity is not a lack of ability. I'm going to say that one more time for you. His lack of activity is not a lack of ability. Here's what I know. Chaos is characterized by fear and anxiety and uncertainty. It's characterized by by fear and anxiety and and uncertainty because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what is next. But on the flip side, peace is characterized by calm and comfort and security. There's a security knowing that the storms around us cannot overwhelm us because he is with us. There's a calm that comes to our souls when we recognize that even in the midst of great darkness, the words of God can speak, let there be light and there will be light. In the chaos that you're walking through right now, what I want you to know is that God is close and that God is working. Wherever you feel fear, anxiety, worry, uncertainty. Ask God to change your chaos, to shine light into your darkness, to speak peace to your storm. And I believe that he will. I believe that he has that power and that he does that kind of work. But can I challenge you today with just one more thought, just one more idea related to chaos? God can absolutely intervene in your circumstances. God can absolutely change what you're walking through right now. God can speak light into darkness. He can speak peace into storms, But what if he chooses not to do that? What if God, in his sovereignty, what, what if God chooses to allow these things to continue to progress around us, even as he provides protection for us? How do we respond to that? What if God is just asking you to trust him in these days? What if God is asking you to trust that he's present and he's able, even when you can't see him working yet? This last week I was reminded of an old song that my parents taught me when I was a boy and I probably heard them sing it hundreds and hundreds of times. Every now and then in my life today I will find myself in seasons of uncertainty or seasons of fear or seasons of anxiety about the things that may be going on around me. And it seems like in those moments so often I'm brought back to the simple words of this simple little chorus And I want to sing it together today. So if you know the words, I invite you to sing with me. If not, they're going to be on the screen here for you to be able to follow along. But it goes like this.
1: Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know Thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that He is with me, will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more.
0: What if that's what God is asking of you? Today? What if instead of you asking God to change your circumstances, to speak light into the darkness and to speak peace into your storm, what if you ask God for the grace to trust Him more? What if you ask God to help you to trust Him even when you're afraid, to trust Him even when you're anxious, to trust Him even when you're worried, to trust Him even when you're uncertain? I believe with all of my heart that God can change your circumstances. He can intervene in all the chaos that exists in your life. But I also believe that there are some days when God just asks us to trust him one more day. Just to trust him one more day. And so we ask God to give us the grace to do so. I was reminded this week as I was preparing about a phrase that Four or five years ago, I believe God laid on my heart, perhaps just for me, but over the last few years, I've used it at different times as I've presented God's word to you, and it goes something like this. Just because he hasn't, doesn't mean he can't, and just because he isn't, doesn't mean he won't. I'm going to read that again. Just because he hasn't, doesn't mean he can't, and just because he isn't, doesn't mean he won't. God can But just because he hasn't done it yet, that doesn't mean he can't do it. It doesn't cause us or shouldn't cause us to to doubt his ability to intervene. And just because he isn't doing it presently doesn't mean he won't do it. It may be that, that today is a day of trusting and believing that God is enough and he is present with us. The reality is that God does not promise us a life without trouble. In fact, Jesus declared The opposite in the Gospel of John. He told us that in this world we would have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world, the place of our troubles. God has already overcome that place. He has already overcome those circumstances. And so while he doesn't promise us that he will always change our circumstances in the way that we desire, in the moment that we desire it, he does make us a promise. And that promise is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He can change your circumstances, but he promises his presence. He absolutely can change your circumstances, but he promises his presence. He doesn't promise to change your circumstances, but he promises that he will be with you as you walk these days out. And that has to be enough for us. It has to be enough for us to recognize that in the midst of the chaos going on around us in this world, that we can experience calm and peace that comes from the presence of God. That's my prayer for you in these days. My prayer for you is not that you will understand all of the things that are happening. My, my prayer is not that you will be able to work these things out for you and your family and your friends and your, your neighbors. All of that's great. My promise, my, my prayer for you is that the promise of God that his presence will be with you would be real to you. And it would create a confidence in you that you can trust in him And that he will be with you. And he has not left you one day prior to this. And he will not leave you one day after this. And he is with you right now wherever you find yourself. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right where you're at today. And allow me the opportunity to pray for you and to pray over you. But even as you sit there, wherever you are today, with your head bowed and your eyes closed and and really honoring this sacred moment, I'm asking you in this moment that if you say, you know what though, I know what I need to do. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you feel comfortable, you can lift your hand right where you're at or it's just an acknowledgement of your heart. If you're, if you're watching on a stream, there's an opportunity for you to respond below to say, hey, today I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and we wanna offer you that opportunity because we wanna pray for you. Or maybe today you say, for me it's not a salvation issue, but I'm asking God to speak into my circumstances. I need God to speak light into my darkness. I need God to speak peace into my chaos And I'm asking God to do that for you today. I believe that he can. Or maybe today, you just need to remember his presence. And you just need the grace of God to help you to trust God more than you ever have before. God, we thank you today for the opportunity to pray, to talk to you. God, even in the midst of physical separation and physical distance, You promised to be near to the brokenhearted. You promised to be closer to us than a brother. And so, God, we thank you for your closeness today. We thank you for your nearness today in the circumstances we walk in and we find ourselves in. God, I pray now for every person who recognizes their need for you to be Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray that you would forgive their sins and lead their lives from this moment forward. God, we believe that you can change eternity in an instant. And God, I I believe that you're doing so right now. God, I also pray for those who are asking you to speak into their circumstances. They feel overwhelmed, they feel afraid, they feel anxious, they feel uncertain. And so God, they're asking you to speak light into the darkness and peace into the chaos and the storms of their lives. God, we believe that you can and I ask you to do that and I believe that the chaos will respond to the power of your words. And God, I also pray now for those who are just asking to experience your presence, to feel that you are near, to have the grace to trust you more today. God, would you do that in their lives? Would you help them to feel that sense of calm and peace and comfort and security that comes from knowing you are near? God, we ask you in the days ahead when maybe more uncertainty will come, and there's a lot of different points of views, and there's a lot of thoughts about what we should do and what we are doing. And God, I pray that for all of the things that we hear, we lean into the still, small voice of your word into our hearts. God, give us a passion to read your word like never before. Give us a hunger to spend time with you and not just to sit and and to scroll aimlessly on our phones or our devices or to binge watch so many things. All of those things are fine in this season of rest, but God, I pray that we would also spend some time every day with you in your presence so that we could gain confidence from knowing that you are near and you are speaking. Tune our ears to your words today, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.